Let us pray now as we come into a real important time of study of God's Word that I think will help all of us at some level. We cry out to you, our great God, because you are the Lord, and this world that we live in is very messed up. And we confess our part in that as well, for we all have sin natures, and we've all been a part of some of the difficulties of our personal worlds. And worldwide, sin has really had its effect. Would you please bring us encouragement in our souls today about living victoriously for you? Would you please open our eyes to see your path for your way of living? Thank you for this text that the Apostle Paul would dare to write. Open our hearts and minds now to the truth of your word. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember the words of Jesus, apart from me you can do nothing. I wonder how often we Christians find ourselves not living that out in day-to-day life. A lot of us try so hard to live for the Lord, and yet we fall on our faces and we're discouraged. Some of us have done it so often, we've developed new veins of theology like, well, I can't do this anyhow, so we'll just let go and let God and let Him do His thing. Is that responsible Christian living? What does this mean that apart from me, God says, you can do nothing? Those were the words of Jesus for us. Apart from me, you can do zip, zero. Remember Peter. He was a very self-determined fella. He... He worked so hard, he wanted to please his Lord, and right before the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus predicted that all of his disciples would desert him. And Peter was quick to step up, Lord, never, I am ready to go to prison for you, I will die for you, and he was ready to pull out his sword, even though he wasn't the best swordsman. He really meant business. He was sincere. Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. No, Lord, I will go to prison. I will die for you. It will never happen. Self-determination at a very high level. He was so certain, so sincere. And yet he fell. We've all been there. We want to do more for the Lord. We want to serve Him. We don't want to slip back into that sin again. And yet, we do. Please take heart today. Peter knew this. He knew what it was like to be human like us. But here are the three things Jesus said to Peter about falling. He said, number one, Peter, you're going to fall, but I have prayed for you. Do you understand that Jesus is your high priest and intercedes on your behalf? He prays for you. Jesus then specifically said, I have prayed that your faith will not fall, flounder. Hard to hold on when you keep failing, isn't it? And the third thing Jesus said to him, I pray that when you return, you will minister to your brethren. 
In other words, when you return from that time of failure and you get up off your face and you start moving forward with me again, my prayer is that our Heavenly Father will use you in the lives of others who also fall. Maybe you need to remember today that Jesus prays for you. We're looking at a passage today in Romans chapter 7 as we continue our study in Romans. A section of the scripture where Paul gets very open and transparent. Paul shares a testimony that we all partake in at one level or another. He openly shares how the very things he doesn't want to do in life, he ends up doing. He falls into sin. This is Paul. And the things that he so desperately does not want to do, he does, and yet the things he doesn't want to do, he ends up doing. Self-determination might run high in your life at times. And you find yourself becoming discouraged because no matter how much self-determination you might have, there are periods of failure. Paul is writing a passage here to us today talking about those moments of failure. It's as though he knows what we're all going to face. This is the mature Apostle Paul. For 2,000 years, since the writing of this passage, Christian biblical scholars haven't been quite sure what to do with this passage because nobody wants Paul to get quite so transparent. I mean, if we want to look to somebody for a success in the Christian life, it would be Paul. And yet here he writes a passage like this. Some of our scholars for 2,000 years have interpreted this passage differently. Some of them want to say, well, the, what Paul's really saying in this passage, he's not talking about right now today. He's talking about back before he knew Christ the Savior, how he would fall into sin. And no, 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 no. In this passage, you'll see when I read it in a moment, he talks in the present tense. Now he wishes he could do things and he can't and he won't do them. And other things he wishes he wouldn't do, and he ends up doing them. He's doing it, he's saying it in the present tense, right now. This is a battle in his life. It's not before he knew Christ. Others want to look at this, and they want to interpret this passage a little differently. And they will say, well, you know, we all have moments where we kind of like backslide. We fall away from the Lord a bit, and, you know, and, and carnal living, and... That's not what's going on in this passage. You see, when people fall away from the Lord and they live carnally, they don't care about living for God. Paul's saying, I want to do this and I don't do it. And I don't want to do this and I end up doing it. That's not the words of a carnal person. He's trying desperately. Like any one of us on a daily basis. As I read this passage in just a moment, I want you to think about that. He promises no easy answers, but he does promise victory. This is intriguing. He's a very mature Christian, yet his words are the cry of every believer. The battle goes on every day inside of us. This old nature that we have that Paul identifies in this passage that we got from Adam. We're prone towards sin, our old nature. And yet when we trusted Christ, we got a new nature in Christ. And these two natures within us, Paul says, battle. 
We've described it as cats and dogs and fur flying in our lives on a regular basis. But moving beyond the softness of a pet and their fur and stroking them, this is just downright hard. We vacillate between sin and righteousness. Hopefully, as we grow older in the Lord, like Paul, we sin less frequently. The problem with growing mature in Christ is that maybe you do sin less frequently, but you're beginning to understand how much more deeply your sin is ingrained in you than ever before, and you see its wickedness at a deeper level than you ever saw before, and it discourages you like it never did as a younger Christian. I think this is where Paul's writing from. He still knows what it's like to cave into that old nature and to experience the battle of his two natures. I'm reading from Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14. Those of you that have the slides here in the auditorium can follow along. I hope you have them at home by now. If not, you might have to pull out that thing called the Bible and find Romans chapter 7, verse 14 and following. Yeah, it still works. Yeah. Here's the passage. Paul says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, and it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to be good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in my members, members of my body, war, waging war against the, the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. May God add his blessing to the reading of this portion of Scripture and open our understanding to see its truths. Last week, as we entered into Romans chapter 7, I shared with you that there are four truths in Romans 7 
that deal with our relationship to the law. When we talk about the law, we're talking about God's moral demands upon us. And we often summarize them by talking about things like the Ten Commandments. Last week, we covered two truths. The first of the four last week that we covered was the law has no authority over me. We are no longer under the law. We are not under its condemnation. And Paul gave an incredible illustration that's helpful to begin to understand this at a deeper level. He used the issue of marriage. If you're married to one person and that person dies, then you're free to marry another person. So he says, you were Mrs. Sinner, married to sin. But then you came to Christ and now you're married to Christ. So the previous relationship you had with sin is now gone and now you're into a new relationship with Christ. That is a wonderful thing. Problem is we vacillate back and forth between our two marriage partners, don't we? That's where Paul was going. But he says the law has no authority over you unless you give it authority again. You start living according to that old sin. The second truth that we explored last week was the law reveals my sin. And it reveals it deeply in my life. Oh, this is so hard. The law, even once we are living for Christ, it continues to show us additional ways that we're sinning and how deeply sin is rooted in us. And there's something about observing God's law that just almost tempts us to do it. It's the child that is told, do not touch the hot stove. What does the child want to do? Touch the hot stove. It is the person walking down the street that comes to the corner property, as we described last week, and there's a sign in the front lawn, don't walk on the lawn, don't walk on the grass. What do you want to do? You want to walk on the grass. We hear God's law. It is clear. But what if I just did a little bit? No one will know. The law continues to show us our sin. It reveals it. The passage was very clear that there are two natures that we are dealing with, our old nature and our new. Today, two more truths about the law that will help us to understand this fight going on in our lives between our two natures. Today's first truth, the third of the four truths, your self-determination won't be able to keep the law. No matter how hard you try, no matter how determined you are that you're going to do it this time, the moment will come when defenses will be down or you will be down and weakened and you will fall. Peter, Lord, I, I, I'll go to prison. I'll die for you. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. No, no, I'm, I, I know I would never do that. Your self-determination won't make it possible for you not to sin. Beginning in verse 14, we'll just go verse by verse. We know that the law is spiritual. That is God's moral law. It is a spiritual law. It is holy. It is perfect. But I myself am not holy, perfect, and spiritual. I am unspiritual, Paul says. And then Paul says, I am sold as a slave to sin. Hold on a minute. Hasn't Paul been teaching through Romans 6 and early part of 7 that we are no longer slaves to sin? Now Paul turns around and he says, I am a slave to sin. How could he say that? Isn't he contradicting himself? 
No, he's not. For there are two natures within you. You can be enslaved to either one, and the choices that you started making this morning when you got up determines which uh, master you will serve today. You can live your life still enslaved to sin, or you can go back to the new Christ and be enslaved to that. Romans chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 clearly spell this out. Paul said in Romans 6, but thanks be to God, uh, though you used to be a slave to sin, you were there You wholeheartedly obeyed the form of the teachings that were entrusted to you. You trusted Christ with the gospel, the teaching that was given to you. You've been set free from that sin, and you become slaves to righteousness. You are a slave. It's only a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Which will you be? Every day you and I get up and we make decisions that take us down one of these two roads. You have been delivered from being a slave to sin. Why would you go back there? But we all do. Paul recognizes this battle going on. You do have two natures. He has two natures. He's talking about it clearly and transparently in this passage. The moment you play to one of these two natures, you are obeying that master, one side or the other. Which way are you going today? The next verse, verse 15, Paul said, I do not understand what I do. I just, I don't get, why do I do this stuff when I don't want to? And For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I really hate, I end up doing that. Why do I do this? I'm so frustrated with myself. Paul speaks for all of us. When we choose to go back toward that old nature and we make decisions that favor us, we move back into slavery to sin. This is very frustrating. This is a mature Christian, perhaps most mature Christian ever, speaking. He wrote a dozen plus books in the New Testament, yet he admits to a struggle with ongoing sin in spite of his determination to do what is right. Obviously, obviously, self-determination is not enough to give you victorious Christian living. Day after day, the cycle is repeated. I suppose when we read a passage like this, in some ways we really appreciate what Paul is saying because misery enjoys company. We have all been there. People want to live a victorious Christian life. But it dawns on me that the word victory means there's a tremendous struggle. We do not want the struggle, but we want the victory. Paul is saying victory is possible, but there is a tremendous struggle. He says in the next two verses, verses 16 and 17, he says, and if I do what I do not want to do, he's saying it again, I agree that the law is good. So I end up doing things that I don't really want to do, and the law just tells me it's bad. You, you, the law is right. It's good. It's, of course it's good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Is Paul skirting his personal responsibility here? Is he saying, oh, it's not me, it's just sin kind of in my life? What he's really saying is he is taking full responsibility. 
He is not failing to take responsibility. He is taking responsibility. This is a true admission that I have an old nature and I've allowed it to play itself out so sin is in me again. I must move away from this. Verse 18, Paul says, I know that nothing good lives in me. <laughs> that old nature, it's very... And he calls it, he says, that is my sinful nature. He's clearly identified it here. It's there in every single one of us. We can feed it and it'll come back strong. Or we can go to the other side and feed that and it too can be strong. Paul says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. My self-determination is just not enough. Well said, Paul. Verses 19 and 20, he repeats what he's already said in verse 15 and 16. He says it again. For what I do is not the good that I want to do. The stuff I'm doing, it's not what I really want to do. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who did do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Again, he is acknowledging his sin nature. Paul is not rambling. He's not meaninglessly repeating what he has said. He is a man living with frustration of two natures within him, and he feels the battle keenly, and he talks about it. All Christians know this battle. Will you cave into the old nature today? Or will you pursue the new nature? He summarizes in verses 21, 22, and 23. He says, so, therefore, result of all this, I find this new law at work. When I want to be good, evil is right there with me. Old nature, it's there. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Yeah, I, I, I have this new nature. I want God's way. And his, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in my members. It's a summary statement. Here he acknowledges both the old and the new natures, the two laws that are working in his life. The cats and dogs that are fighting and the fur that is flying. And If you have sought victorious Christian living, you know that there are many Christians who are looking for a secret that will make it possible to live victoriously. See, we want that quick fix. Some people look to a charismatic experience. They might even look to something like speaking in tongues and feel for a moment of time this is wonderful. This is victory. Some will go to a Christian worship concert and have a wonderful existential moment of worshiping God in worship and praise, and they walk out of there thinking, that's victorious Christian living. Neither are true, because the old nature is still there, and tomorrow it will come knocking. 
And then we feel the disappointment and the depression again. We get angry with ourselves. We get angry with others who seem to be tempting us. And we even get angry at God because it's not working the way it's supposed to work. And we will face this struggle until the day we die or until Jesus returns. We are at war within ourselves. There are some days we are more victorious. There are other days there are losses. What Paul is doing in the verses ahead now is he will promise you a victory in the war even though you will lose battles along the way. Hopefully, less and less losses as we grow mature in Christ. But you better prepare yourself for this battle. Prepare yourself through continuously reading God's Word. God is clear about His Word building your faith. In these moments when the attacks come, faith gets weaker. You need the Word of God to build the faith and build it like a muscle and get it as strong as you possibly can. You need to, on a regular basis, be on your knees fighting like a warrior because that's what warriors, Christian warriors, do. They pray. You need to stay close to other believers in this struggle. The scriptures are clear. You tend to become like the company that you keep. You hang with people that are feeding old nature. Guess what you're probably going to feed? You hang with people that are pursuing the battle against the old nature and trying to submit to Christ. Chances are that's what will happen. Ultimate victory is absolute, assured. Day-to-day victories are spotty in this life. Sometimes more, sometimes less. Keep trusting God. This battle will be there until you pass to eternity or until Christ comes. And at that point, one nature, the old nature, will be gone. Not till then. So it's one thing to simply be battling two natures in your life, but then there's all this other stuff going on in life, the circumstances of life, which make life so very difficult for us. The difficult turns that you face day in and day out. So on top of the battle that you're facing on on not wanting to pursue sin but righteousness, then comes the stuff of day-to-day life, the trials and tribulations. Paul called it this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he gives another testimony. He says, we do not want you to be informed, brothers and sisters, about the hardships that we have faced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, way beyond us, so that we even despaired even of life. You've gotten to the point with the struggles of your old, two, your old nature and your new nature and the struggles of this life. Have you gotten to the point of just saying, Ugh. I just want to be with Jesus. Do you know some godly older saints that have just kind of come to the end of the battle and saying, you know what, I am ready to go home. They're not copping out. This is just hard. And so the scriptures talk about the day when we will rest with the Lord. 
and the battles of this life will be open, over. So remember Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 6 where he talks to us about preparing for this warfare. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. You must put that on to be prepared, each piece of it. Study it, understand it, so that when the day of evil comes, when it comes, not if it comes, when it comes, it comes regularly, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything that you need to do, you will stand and not fall. Wow. Victory is possible. The fourth and final truth that I want to share with you this morning in this passage, the last two verses of chapter 7. Following the law will not bring you victory. Following God's moral law will never bring you victory, and you will have the self-determination, and that won't be enough either, and trying to do the best you can to follow the law, it will not bring you victory. And this at first can seem quite hopeless. So Paul says in verse 24, what a wretched man that I am. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you ever call yourself a wretch? Maybe you didn't use those, you know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The word wretch is quite an admission. The term means miserably distressed condition, frustrated, disappointed. What a wretched man I am. This fight going on within me. And then he asks a question that seems at first to be hopeless. Who will rescue me from this body of death? I don't want to live this way. I hate this. Paul asks the question. Fortunately, he answers it. And in the answer, some victory comes. But in the midst of his frustration and his deep disappointment with himself and his wretchedness, he wonders who will rescue him. Of course, there's only one person. Romans chapter 6, Paul had taught us several verses earlier in verses 12 and 13 of Romans 6. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let it grab control of you. Verse 25 here, Paul now gives the answer to his own question. You know, who's going to save me from this? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. But in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. There are two natures within you. You can be enslaved to God or you can be enslaved to sin. When Paul says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, two things become abundantly clear. Number one, this is a battle, but it's possible to be victorious. Second of all, victory is assured. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is the answer. Yielding to him and not the old sin nature following the leading of the indwelling Spirit of God that provides us victory, not giving in in weak moments to the old nature. We know 
there will be ultimate victory. Paul was clear in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, he who has started a begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When you see him, death, his return, until that day, with all of your struggles and the battles, the successes, the victories, and the failures, he will continue to be at work in you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul said it this way, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. When you surrender to him, he will make that self-determination with you, sanctify it and make it stronger to keep you on track. And he will help you to act according to his good purpose. But if you go back to the old nature, it ain't going to work out that way. Paul also said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship. He put you together like you and me together like me, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared these good things for us, and we must submit to him, and he will work them in us. He will continue his work until the day of Jesus Christ. So as we finish up chapter 7, as dismal as it is, we are promised victory in Christ. Chapter 7 assures us that what we are experiencing is not isolated to us. Even the great apostle Paul had it. He struggled terribly with his old nature and the conflict with his new nature. Chapter 7 is all about, I think I can do it, I think I can do it, I will try, I will do this. Oh, I failed. That's chapter 7. Next week, we begin chapter 8, which is a chapter about the incredible victory that is available in Christ. Chapter 8 is, I can't do this. I need the help of God. But behold, ha, victory. Do you live more in chapter 7 or chapter 8? The book of Romans is a book about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to understand it, and we need to live it. Not to just save us from our sins for eternity's sake, but even day to day, save us from falling into sin. Live out this good news. We don't need to continuously live in Romans 7. We can begin even now to live in Romans chapter 8. Paul was very clear in Romans 6, verses 12 and 13, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. It is our responsibility not to let it reign. We must let Christ reign in our lives. We must not go back toward the old nature. We must go to the new nature. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey those evil desires. Don't go there. Do not offer the parts of your body, your hands and your feet and your mind and everything else as instruments of wickedness. Don't go 
toward the old nature. Rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought back from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. This is the choice that we face day in and day out. Bottom line, the law of God cannot save your soul. The law of God cannot sanctify you for day-to-day living. It'll just continuously show you your sin and how deep your sin is. It does help. As we grow in Christ, we need to see that. It will show us how rich his grace is and how marvelous this gospel is. That's what the whole book of Romans is about, the marvelous gospel that changes our lives. You have not just been freed from the penalty of your sin under the law. You are also now slowly experiencing day-to-day victory over sin in your life. Someday you will experience complete victory over your sin nature when you are with the Lord and the sin nature is gone. Until that day, the battle continues. You can choose to be discouraged by it or you can begin to move towards Romans 8. Surrendered to the Spirit of God, victorious Christian living, more and more victory, less and less sin. Seeing the sin and how deeply rooted it was, being surprised by that, but appreciating more deeply than ever the grace of God in your life. Today, if you are here and you don't know this Lord Jesus Christ that we speak of, all of humanity, every single one of us on planet Earth, is separated from God by our sin. We have a sin problem. Not one of us will make it to heaven because God does not allow that imperfection into his presence. That's the bad news. The good news is he loves you and me even in our sin. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to die on that cross to be punished for your sin and mine. And so now God offers us forgiveness based on the fact that Jesus has already taken your punishment for your sin under that law, the law of God. And Jesus was punished in your place. If you will come to him today, and ask him to forgive your sin. He will do it, not because you deserve it, not because you've done some good things. He will do it because he punished his son for the sins that you've committed. Those sins have to be dealt with. And Jesus paid all of that for you. Thank you, our Father, for your word. Thank you for the transparency, the vulnerability of Paul to even pen things like this so we could read it and say, wow, if Paul was there, surely we are. Thank you for his encouragement that thanks be to God, there is a Lord Jesus Christ who can turn this thing around for us. Thank you, Father, that you've equipped us with some self-determination and now sanctify that determination by your Spirit 
and cause us to respond to sin as we ought. And may we pursue Christ and submit to you and only you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.